0: November 9, 2013. It's a watch from Pedro's show. Thank mm-hmm. you. from Pedro's show Saturday morning uh, not at the Love Grotto with brother Matt no I'm here in my pad uh, got Prague with Tom and Raul coming up right after this because tomorrow we fly to Brazil to do uh, gigs Monday and Tuesday it'll be my third time there but uh, first time for Tom and Raul. first time for uh, what going not as a stooge so, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, I don't know, what did he say, excited, huh? huh? I, oh, I should say what we played. We started off with Welcome from John Coltrane, then 6PS by Soako. and then finally uh, something from, kind of a guest, okay? Well, he is a guest, but... Uh, Kings of Lower Town, Mississippi Flood. What I'm trying to say is um, Mike McKee, uh, Pembroke, Ontario, uh, did an interview with me via Skype. Now, this was on October 14th. So it's a spiel, and it's in real time, but it just wasn't done right now. But I recorded it on the Mac purse while I was rapping with him, and I'd like to play it for you now. Uh, Mike McKee from... uh, King's of Lower Town, Pembroke, Ontario, October Fourteenth, Two Thousand Thirteen. Wrapping uh, with what? It's October Fourteenth, Two Thousand Thirteen, and uh, via Skype, I'm uh, with Mike McKee.
1: I'm at my hometown, Pembroke, Ontario. Yeah, Pembroke. Yes, sir.
0: And what big town is that by? Ottawa. That's what I thought, because Ottawa's where didn't I play? Would I play Mavericks?
1: You sure did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last year?
0: With my um, missing man for the hyphenated man, third opera tour.
1: Did you like playing there?
0: Yeah, I hadn't been there in a long time. I think the last time was a club called Zaffron Beeblebrox. You were there with Firehose one time. I think there was two of those. But that was the last time I was there. And the time before that was... I can't even remember the venue. It was with Minuteman and Porcelain Forehead, which was a Canadian band. Uh, maybe 1984. That so, goes a while back. Yeah, so I haven't played Ottawa much. I must. Uh, I should play it more. Actually, that yeah, you know what? That one in '84 was in Ottawa. That was across the river in a hall.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's a big bridge but takes I, you right across.
0: But I can't remember the name of the venue. Oh. I do know Porcelain Forehead played with us. And uh, Montreal, too. They was a good two, show. We did two gigs with them, yeah. And, I, and the, the Montreal show was Porcelain Forehead and maybe Drunken Engine or something like this. And then another band, My Dog Popper. Which I know made some albums later too. So
1: do you think you'll come up more?
0: Uh, yeah, we're talking about you know almost 30 years ago, okay, So it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you know, you're usually doing the big towns, but smaller ones like Ottawa and London, uh, they're good to play, you know. I wish I could play some more smaller. Canadian towns, it's just hard fitting, you know, it's a big place like the U.S. So to fit them in is a little tough. Like I've never played maritime yet.
1: You have to do that because yeah, it's probably course. a really good experience. Of
0: course. It's lovely. I like to play anywhere and everywhere. It's its just fitting them in, you know. <laughs> Cause, uh, Understood. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, distance, but you know, I'm, I'm going to make it a, a goal to try to get up there <laughs> more and more, all the time. Uh, I know I enjoy seeing Canadian bands when they get to play down here. So, uh, Who's Canadian your favorite band, right? uh God, who did I? I just interviewed a guy from. Uh, he lived for a while in Toronto and in Montreal. His name is Alex. He's got a band called Dirty Beaches. Although he's relocated to Berlin, he's living there. But uh, I just had him on the show, and interesting uh, journey with music he's had. So, yeah, forget about my, uh, (laughs) you know, attempts at trying to play every town in the world, (laughs) which I am trying. We should get, Mike, into uh, your uh, fucking story about music. When when do you uh, remember the first time being conscious about music?
1: You know, at an early age, my mom was a piano player, so that would be kind of where it started.
0: Yeah, so you had music in the house?
1: A little bit, not a whole lot. Oh, well, my brother had... would bring home albums as well, so that was important, too. We'd listen to it. So that's and then when you I, first... I guess, you know, in grade school, I met a couple of people who were really into music. And just started to grow from there, and we'd, you know, you mean start to it, trade albums.
0: Your ma, she wanted the piano playing ending with her. She didn't think you should take lessons or something.
1: She thought I wasn't good enough. She was right.
0: Oh, so you did try? I tried a bit. Okay. How old were you?
1: Oh, you know, uh, grade one, grade two.
0: So like five or, five or six or something like that? Yeah, in that neighborhood, yeah. So you tried Plankin and she thought, no. Okay. So yeah, that all went away and then so just, you know, your music connects as far as like naked music started with cats you met at school.
1: I would say so, yeah. 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 And
0: what, this is still grade school?
1: Yeah, I met a couple of really interesting people. Uh, this guy named Jordan Zadarozny. Really uh, profoundly affected everyone around him with you. Know, you know, he's a really massive talent, even at that age. We knew something was going on there. What did he play? It was play? intense, very intense. And uh, What,
0: what, what, know, what uh, instruments did he play?
1: He was pretty much good at everything at an early age. Like, oh, he was okay. really great on fiddle, guitar, uh, you know, piano that was developing. It was all happening. It was quite something. Amazing. And, uh, of course, you know, you were, you wanted to get a, be a part of that. It was really interesting to us.
0: Right. What, did he uh, make a band?
1: We had, a, like, a lot of sort of pretend bands. And then... Uh, what does pretend mean? Well, you know, this is what we would do. Uh, you know, we sort of imagined how it would be. And uh, he, of course, had, you know, this amazing talent and started doing it and then we were blown away it was uh
0: oh you mean you guys weren't actually playing with each other just no. talking about playing yeah okay yeah. but he actually was playing yeah so did um, anybody want to form a band with this guy uh, mr zach we his name's zach say Z-A-C-H, zach was that his name
1: no it was jordan Zadarazni. oh
0: zadaro's yeah okay jordan Yes. God, my memory's so bad, I can't remember from five minutes. Okay, that's Jordan it. here. Did did anybody want to make a band with this Jordan guy?
1: You know, uh, sure, absolutely. For In what? the end, uh, you know, he did his own thing. We started doing our own thing, just moved along, and uh, he started to get really good at what he was doing. And well, uh, he did eventually start doing lots of interesting things. Uh, which, we were which, left behind
0: you never got a chance to play with him.
1: It just, you know, informally when we were younger. And then later on, we started so playing a bit together.
0: Jordan, I think then maybe he's an important as an, an inspiration.
1: Without a doubt, yes.
0: Yeah, okay. You know, it was there. So he's profound to you uh, as far as you getting involved with music. So um, what what instrument did you gravitate to?
1: It was, you know, bass, guitars.
0: Bass sort and of guitars. Piano. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't ask you about the music. What kind of albums were getting brought home that you were listening to?
1: You know, just classic rock, The Who, okay. early REM, those things. I
0: guess Canada'd be the Guess Who, also. <laughs> right. Yeah. For, I mean, I, sure. I I listened to them a lot when I was young. In fact, I think the first forty-five I bought was uh, American Woman.
1: Pretty a, good band. I mean, listening to them now, it was, you know, they had a really good thing happening. Was,
0: Randy Bachman, the guitar player, quit kind of early and made his own band called Bachman Turner Overdrive, who I also saw Boone? play a really? few times. Yeah, D Boone really liked him also. So, okay, so it's like classic rock. And uh, at school, I mean, we're talking grade school, so for you, what's that? Is that the 70s? <laughs>
1: Late 70s, you know, okay. up to about 1986, 85.
0: Okay. Then we moved into,
1: into middle school, and yeah.
0: And what? You start putting oh. together groups and writing songs? And...
1: A little bit, yeah. We would, you know, start recording on little four tracks and, okay. uh you know, getting it together.
0: Do you remember the first band you had, like, as far as, uh yeah, you giving it a name and...
1: Yeah, I played in this band with uh, two good guys. It was called Blue Channel Fun. Blue Blue
0: Channel uh, Fun.
1: Yeah, we had a good time doing that. Two really nice people.
0: It was like kind of a power trio?
1: Yeah, and we, you know, crafted out, played a couple of shows. It was nice. Did you ever record Um, on the four track? We had a couple of things, yeah. I was uh, was still sort of learning the ropes on how to make songs then. And uh, they sort of were at the controls and... It was good. It was a good learning experience. A nice time.
0: You should flow me. If you got recordings of that stuff, you should flow.
1: Yeah, the play. guy's uh, the main songwriter. His name was Conrad Christen. And he wrote some good songs. Uh, I'll definitely do that because I still listen to him from time to time.
0: Okay, then what happened from there?
1: Nothing. We had to uh, get real jobs and uh, become workers and you know, get our lives together. When you were in junior high school, well, after we graduated.
0: Oh, you mean this yeah. band continued all the way from uh, junior high and high school, huh? Uh,
1: actually, no. It was you know informal, and then later on, after high school, we still had it going on. Oh wow! And okay. yeah, okay. it so, was like after high school we were. Yeah, I understand.
0: Of- yeah, you had to get make a living yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So but I didn't know that this band lasted this long. So it, it, it was all through uh, junior high and high school. Okay.
1: So you we didn't actually it? have a name for it back then. Uh,
0: oh, just something to do after school. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: We like jam in uh, a friend's basement, and you know. Yeah, sort of like
0: me and Dee Boone. Me and D Boone did. Never didn't even know you could do gigs. Really, <laughs> just played after school in the. We used a bedroom.
1: There was nothing really around either, like venues and such. There was a couple of things, but it was just not for us. Yeah. It was was really sort of insular.
0: Because you're saying early 80s, because that's when I played there with Minutemen in 84 in Hull. But I can't remember the name of the venue. But there there wasn't a lot of places for you to play in those days. So you're making music just basically for yourselves, which is the best way, especially at start. And so, okay, this band breaks up because you guys go different ways, making a living. How did you stay with music?
1: It was always there. I mean, I knew at some level I had to go and do it. I would just, you know, practice by myself. uh,
0: Also, you had like one-man band at this point. You're just doing music on your own.
1: Sort of, yeah. Just me. Later on, I ran into a couple of other guys. Uh, there's a really interesting guy named Michete. Uh-huh. Really great guy. He's in a band called and Big Sky. Okay. He's re-entering music right now. Really great guy. He's uh, sort of taken a break, and now he's back into it. And uh, he's really great. Good guy. Great songs. You should
0: flow me some of his stuff, too.
1: Uh, is great yeah I will.
0: so but you guys make a
1: band together at this point we played we play together uh from time to time not a whole lot it's his, oh, okay. it's his show so you know
0: so you were like helping him backing him up
1: a bit yeah he would help me exchange oh. ideas okay really nice guy very cool gigs I enjoyed his companies quite a bit yeah.
0: And from there, where did you go?
1: From there, we're pretty much in the present day. Oh, you okay. Know.
0: Well, I was, I was wondering, what was the road that led up to the kings of the lower town?
1: Oh, you know, it's just uh, something I had to do. I always felt like I wanted to do like like a good sort of basic blues music that really interests me personally. One day, I was walking home from work after like probably the worst day ever and realized I'd be crazy if I didn't try it. Because I mean, life is, you know, it happens so quick. And that sounds like a cliche, but when you're walking home after a bad shift, it's like, wow, let's do the things that really make you happy. So,
0: so that's how the Lower Town happened. was born out of that experience. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there a Lower Town in Pembroke?
1: No, there's a lower town in Ottawa.
0: In Ottawa, okay. Yeah. And it what, it's, it's kind of a neighborhood?
1: It is, yeah. It's like different sections of town. Sure. That's, yeah. And what That's where you I live. live. I've spent all my adult life there nearly. Right now it's Thanksgiving weekend in Canada, so I'm in my hometown visiting. Back in Pembroke. Yeah.
0: But when you go back to Ottawa, you'll be in the lower town. Yes, sir. And... <laughs> I know this sounds a little literal, but is the is this part of town like lower in the <laughs> ground? Where do, I mean, where's this name? The etymology. Where's it? you have any uh, idea? It was about...
1: originally a French name called Bassville. Uh huh. I don't know exactly why they called it Lower Town, but like they would, it was a French Irish part of town. Okay. So originally, I imagine it was the lower part of the area. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I'm the not top a... of the hill. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe more econo part of town, I don't know, maybe it meant they meant lower in that sense, but uh, interesting name, you know, and then the kings of the lower town, so, uh, you, you, uh, you know, I don't know, in my mind it sounds like uh, you think uh, maybe, uh, yeah, you want to be one of the sh- shot callers, huh? <laughs> Well, start your own band, right? You write your own songs, you know, play your own gigs, right? I'm not yeah. trying to say like ruling over people or anything, but just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you got a need for individual expression.
1: You could go that way. Yeah. It wasn't like you said, wanting to be the top dog or anything. Yeah. It was just like, personally, I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't happen or go anywhere, that's okay by me. I know yeah. that's, you know, this is just for me. I'm, I'm I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Well,
0: not just for you because you did get a group of guys, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. But they're, but
0: they're gonna they're gonna help you realize your vision, your songs.
1: They most certainly did. Without them, that would never happen. Yeah. Right. Like, just getting started. It was well, very Let's, let's talk
0: about them. Who who are these guys?
1: Well, like I mentioned earlier, Michete, Jordan Zadrowski, oh. Carnac Christik.
0: These these cats were kings of Lower Town. Okay.
1: Well, sort of in and out. Okay. You know, back and forth, sort of a loose group. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good guys. Uh, There was another drummer, Tim Watson. He was really great. He was in the band. He was really awesome. Tim Watson was a really great drummer.
0: Like earlier days?
1: About the same time, like within a three or four year span.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: he was really good.
0: Right now, who makes up the kings of Lower Town?
1: Right now, it's me. I'm writing, like, the music. Jordan Zadrosny is helping me with production and performance, like recording. He's doing really great uh, guitar work on it. He's doing some really amazing solos, like his... uh, I'm really lucky to have his generosity helping me. He really is you know it's me and him right now. okay Good guy.
0: you were talking about the blues uh, what what kind of band uh, do you have like influences from other bands or musicians?
1: sort of an Ottawa Valley thing really uh, okay, so yeah, people you actually play with yeah. I mean, I'm looking towards other blues influences, not a whole lot. You know, it was just something that I sort of felt more than heard. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. And, God, you go go pretty far back with Jordan.
1: Yeah, I don't recollect too many memories without sort of having him there. Like, I mean, early, early stuff, of course, but we were always familiar with each other. Sure, sure. Schoolmates. Yeah. Really so, good guy.
0: Uh, and you got a single coming up.
1: I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what's the story behind this? You know, I've played a lot of Kings of lower town on the watt from Pedro show, but this is stuff that's coming in the next week or two. Right.
1: Uh, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Hi. Thank you very much for that. I like when you started playing that stuff, that was, uh, you know, blew my hair back and, uh, <laughs> that really sort of pulled me up and uh, made me feel like I could do more so thank you for that Not I don't no think problem. I've ever actually said that to you directly and I'm so it was awesome it uh, really was awesome and the single that's coming out yeah, um, it's going to be Shotgun Preacher and Woodpile uh, these songs have existed previously but I've always wanted to do some vinyl I felt it was time to commit to You know, getting out of the digital world and putting out a single on vinyl, I've always wanted to do that. And these days, I feel it's important to have tangible objects instead of just digital files. For some reason, it's there, it exists, and I think that's important. I can't express it further as to why I think it's important kind of relate it to a good book you know you have a good book it's there it's going to exist you can go back to it whenever you want and uh, it's a good reference point yeah it sure came out uh i guess in april or may and i got a, a bit of legs to it i really enjoyed making that song and writing it jordan helped me make that song he's all over that gave it an amazing sound Uh, knew exactly what I wanted before I even could express, which was such a great thing as well. It was like just, wow, you nailed it. Like it was just a shorthand. He knew it. I knew it. It was done. I was really proud of that one. And uh, Woodpile last year, Michette helped me with that. Again, you know, he really sort of, you know, inspired me to get going on this and make this all work that's what I did. So those were the two songs that we decided to put on vinyl. Sure. Um, I've got more songs coming up soon, working on a new album. It's called the Mississippi flood. That's coming out. Probably. well, There's some stuff in the can already. Uh, but getting back to the single, those are the two songs that will be, you know, released. And, uh, it's fitting because, uh, they're interrelated. They're different. I feel. And, uh, it's just sort of marks and moments that I'm really happy with.
0: Oh, man. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. But eventually, these two songs are going to be joined with others to make a whole
1: album. Wow. I've got a couple of EPs out. I've never known how to make an album.
2: We'll you know, I've got, I can
1: put EPs together, small ideas that sort yeah. of work i've never like i've always wondered how like these artists make big albums blows my mind all the time what are the common threads that develop you know how do you go those 12 songs and not you know lose focus it's such an accomplishment i see people doing this all the time and i've never known how to do it it's quite something people think it's nothing but really i think it's you know you have to go start with track one You have to to track two, three, four, five. Sometimes albums can go up to, you know, fifteen songs. Lately, you know, you're getting shorter albums traditionally, like ten songs. Even then, that's a super accomplishment to do something each time and have it interesting and have it different and not repeat yourself is, you know. Not many people can do that. I mean, you guys can do it. I've seen you do that. You know, stooges would do that amazing you know you need to get other people doing that as well and uh, I've just you know I'm not in that realm at all I can do good solid songs and put them together as EPs that's where I'm at right now and I think that's for me as a person that's pretty awesome and that's what I'm going to do until maybe another skill set develops I don't know I don't see myself ever really getting there I could push a whole bunch of songs together and call it an album but I don't think it would be There'd have to be, like, a theme to it, a concept. Otherwise, it's just, you know, songs that sort of come together.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's got their own journey and their own idea of what they're trying to do or make good on. So if you feel a couple songs at a time is where it's at, then I think that's completely valid
1: there, Mike. I also think you can pull off a song and have it be like, I mean, one song, it can deliver a lot. It can change your afternoon if you're liking it, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole album. It's the thought process and the attitude, you know, oh, Link yeah. never really made huge, awesome albums, but he had killer songs. Amazing.
0: Yeah, you can mix it up. My last album Was one song 30 parts?
1: (laughs) I remember that it was based on an artwork, wasn't it?
0: A couple artworks. I used well, I used some of the visuals as kind of uh reference points, but they were just
1: sorry, go ahead, sir.
0: It was just more like springboards. I like uh. Yeah, inspirations where you can uh, draw parallels, not know anything even about maybe the person you're uh, bouncing ideas off. That's what's interesting about humans, to me, and their expressions, how they can be kind of...
1: This is is uh, the album where you're writing more minute-men type songs that I recollect, right? They feel like more Minutemen songs somewhat. yeah
0: I kind of wanted to do that? that style again without being nostalgic and so I I tried using that style of music that I worked with in those days to talk about something really contemporary with me now which is yeah being in middle age which is something I would have never done as a minuteman but hmm, I like that it. style I wanted yeah because I didn't I didn't want to just go down memory road I wanted to make it somehow relevant to now and not do to a total nostalgia trip
1: well it wasn't it was it was just really good music well this particular... I just felt
0: uh, yeah but I, for me I mean this was a personal thing I just felt I owed the guys in the minuteman to contribute something in the now and not you know just totally take from the old days sometimes uh, to get too much uh, I don't know sentimental about stuff oh,
1: it's kind those of lazy, records it? were, yeah, those so. records were amazing
0: I know so, I know but it kind of belongs to that time and stuff but I, I did like the style you know uh, the story actually comes from me helping those guys make the uh, We jammy kano documentary and me listening to that music again after not really you know made me sad to hear that stuff but when I heard it again I wanted to do it <laughs> but I wanted to be careful about it I didn't want to just do an "I Love Lucy" rerun on it. I wanted to somehow make it part of what's important to me these days, which was, yeah, a middle-aged punk rocker, which is a very strange situation well, a, for me to be in. But uh, the men, and men
1: were like, men were, were young men, were
0: writing they about were... being young men, uh, uh, trying to become aware of their world. It was just another place. But the motifs, the styles—actually, we borrowed some stuff too from some bands we heard from England, like Wire or Pop Group, and uh, yeah, some U.S. stuff too, like funk and R&B.
1: That was an interesting time. Like all that stuff on SST was like—I don't know. It was, you guys were taking—it was like you guys taking chances, and it would always work. Awesome. And you got the sense that like what what's happening here? You'd listen to it and it would be like, well, what is going on? I have to listen to this again right away. And you'd listen to it and be like, oh, you know, really amazing. I first got into the Minutemen uh, you guys opened up for REM and like on this college circuit. And before the Minutemen, I was a huge REM fan. I had to have everything about them. And then you know, you guys opened up for them. And, uh, yeah, they asked us. We I don't didn't know how know. I found out about that. I'm like, who are these guys?
0: Well, we didn't know how they found out about us either, except when we met them, we found out they knew out a lot about a lot of musics. Because so we knew nothing about them. We had to buy a record to see what they mm-hmm. sounded like when they asked us. And they turned out What's to be really nice guys and very interesting people.
1: What's Bill actually like? Bill Berry. Yeah, he seemed so interesting to me.
0: Yeah, all four of them really were. Bill was more... Uh, He's like Scotty and the Stooges, a little more uh, stoic, internal.
1: He did a lot of writing, too. I mean, you'd think it would be more Peter Buck, but, I mean, Bill came up with a lot of interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know know the particulars about their band. I can just tell you how it was being with them that tour. And uh, a lot of the audiences didn't like us. I know the record label they were on didn't like us that we had a lot of trouble with everyone except them they were beautiful to us the four guys in the band they really were and
1: uh you still ended, keep in touch
0: it ended, ended up being our last tour i see him around I, I played with peter he had some band with some baseball with steve Wynn about baseball played with the him baseball project and uh I think the last time with R.E.M. was Stooges in Spain a few years ago. But I see them now and then. I mean, they don't live in Southern California. Did something uh, with Ronnie for Michael's movie. uh, Michael was involved with a movie called Velvet Goldmine. So, yeah. Time to time. That was really... so. That's how you saw us is because we were opening up. I I mean, a lot of people, that was their first uh, impression or first time they were exposed to us because uh, that scene, that's when college radio was starting to get big was from R.E.M. And even punk rockers started going to college. So we were exposed to... the
1: lost, really great fans of music.
0: Well, we were exposed to a whole different kind of crowd. And a lot of those people didn't dig it. But then later on, I think maybe they changed their mind. I don't know. I I meet a lot of people, they say the first time they saw what I was doing was with the Minutemen opening for R.E.M.
1: I heard about you. I never actually saw you at that particular time. Yeah. I read about, like, the Minutemen. Well, you know,
0: the college scene wasn't really that – they didn't know a lot about punk. They knew some stuff about New Wave and stuff, but – Actually, U.S. punk scene was pretty small, you know, when it started. It got bigger with hardcore and stuff, but it was pretty small. And uh, we learned it from going to gigs in Hollywood. I mean, everybody's a student in some kind of classroom. (laughs) And then there's always somebody who's been around even just a little bit before you. And, you know, it can make all the difference in the world. And it's all about people in the old days and I still think nowadays it's about people so that's why I uh, I found it interesting about your your musical story now uh, you make these recordings with the kings of the lower town you do gigs also right?
1: not a whole lot a couple you know if I'm doing gigs uh, I want to do my best in there okay so You know, I feel like I'm giving over my nervous system when I'm playing a live show. It's it's something I have to work on.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, it's scary to play gigs.
1: It's very (laughs) scary for me. Uh, Me
0: too, me too. And I do it all the time, and it still doesn't get easier. But yeah, it's it's, it's interesting doing. I was just wondering, your situation there in... uh, Ottawa, and Pembroke, and is it easy to do gigs?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be doing one or two. Not a whole lot. You know, I wish I could do more. I'm just, my personality type is, I like being home. I like being home with my wife. A life on the road is, you know, you really have to have your stuff together. You have to know exactly what you're doing. You have to have an excellent plan to do it. You know, I just want to be a good person to my wife, and uh, playing music might take me away from that live all the time. So that relationship is important. I don't want to be away too much. So I'm keeping it local, not a whole lot.
0: Yeah, I, think, really the, I'm... I think the Steely Get Dan guys during the years that made those six records, first six records never toured, except one little one. I don't think you have to tour.
1: It's Some bands, right.
0: all they do is tour and they don't even make records. So, you know, everybody's different, I think.
1: I would like to play more. It's, uh, I'm going to work on it. I think it's important, but not as important as, you know, my more domestic life. I like making music. That's more important.
0: And right now you're thinking about music in a document form, right? This uh, seven inch, the vinyl.
1: Book. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I've i come to realize that more and more. When we first started Minuteman, we thought records were just like flyers to get people to the gigs. We thought it was all about playing gigs because we came from arena rock, you know. So We didn't know about clubs until Pump. We really liked the clubs compared to our uh, previous experience with live gigs, which was sitting in the dark in these big... Sports arenas, auditoriums. And it was a nightmare, you know, in comparison. So we thought everything was about the gig. And the, and the records were just flyers to try to get people to the gig. Now I have a different kind of uh, thought about records. That they're, yeah, they're kind of so, dying. Di- they'll, they'll be here after you're gone, you know?
1: Just one of those things. Are you going to be playing more shows, Reese, more coming up? Oh, yeah, week? I
0: got a couple yeah, I got two gigs this week. And I got a couple tours coming up, a Europe one and a US one.
1: How many shows a year do you play, do you think?
0: 200? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I play How a do lot. you keep up?
1: You're well, like, you know, uh... it's
0: like anything, else. You, if you look at it that way, yeah, it looks impossible, but real life is about the day-to-day and you get into it. And, it you know, the sun rises, the sun sets. If you look at it so, you know, (laughs) mammoth of a thing, yeah, it'd probably scare the hell out of you. And (laughs) I do have a lot of anxiety at the beginning of tours. But then you get into the day-to-day and you you do it, you know? And it's interesting. You know, I don't recommend it for everybody, of course. But uh, I feel fortunate to have my shot at and... and, uh, it's great classroom. I learn a lot of stuff from it. It's, Yeah, the main thing is to, uh, well, actually, the main thing for me is to get my guys back safe. Then the next thing is, yeah, I play good for people. They work hard all week, so I want to give them a good gig. And then, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh is, yeah, you're not in your hometown. So there's a lot of stuff to check out. You know, everybody can't live in the same pads. So, and also, everybody doesn't do things the same way. So you can, uh, yeah, if you let your mind be open, you can check out and learn from this stuff. And it's like being a, in a real-life library, you know, a library of real life or something in a, in a trippy way. So I think it's the way you approach it. It can be a beat down. It can wear on you. Uh, you have to watch your health. There's a lot of things about tour. A lot of things can go wrong. When one comes to the end, I'm very grateful that I made it through another one. I was uh, interested in your single here, if you were going to like do some gigs to like maybe call attention to it or something like that. You, do you go to the big towns like Montreal and Toronto?
1: You know, I don't go to Toronto a whole lot. I love Montreal. I go there with my wife all the time. No, I mean about playing.
0: City. I'm talking about playing.
1: I played a couple of gigs in Montreal. I haven't played a gig in Toronto at all. Wow! Well, uh, I've I've had closer, good I've, right?
0: I've had good gigs in both towns. Uh, different scenes. Did seats. you ever find your bass? Uh,
1: well, I, Montreal, got, I got a I couple of bases.
0: Oh, that one—the one that got stolen. No, it's out there. Hopefully, somebody's using it. You know, I got given three free bases after that. Three different people, a guy named Andy from uh, near Rochester, New York, a guy named Dan in San Diego. Adam Yauk gave me a bass, uh, you know. So I know it's sad. I, I've had that for a little bit, right, and <laughs> a little gigs. But I also got these other bases, and they're only things, and hopefully somebody's using it. That was kind of sad and stuff, but I never blamed Montreal for it. And uh, <laughs> I do have my health, you know which is kind of pre- more precious it's it kind of hurts to lose things but then i got I had the three gifts right away you know so um, how's the
1: cycling coming along
0: not as good because of my hurt knee you know i can't go up big hills the paddling no problem because that's all waste up but uh yeah that's some of the stuff i do when i'm not on tour You see how the the, the Skype makes some funky sounds, uh, people. If you hear that, that's not me on my synthesizer. It's his software that I'm using to talk to Mike here. Uh, uh, (laughs) There's little little sounds that come over here. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm not on tour. Uh, I'm on tour. I'm trying to hobble around the towns and hoof around, see what I can, take shots. I take shots here, too. Probably know about that. Actually, a cat in Montreal put out a book of my Minutemen lyrics uh, translated to Québécois, French. You know, which uh, his name's Chapeau, and he's a great cat. There, <laughs> there is a great uh, music scene in Montreal, but Toronto's got one too, and uh, enjoy playing there. I was just saying because uh, Ottawa seems in between both those towns almost.
1: Ottawa's closer to Montreal. Oh, okay. You can be in Montreal from Ottawa really quickly, you know, two hours and you're there downtown. Okay. Toronto, farther away. Okay. Yeah. It's still a lovely place to
0: Because you're on the, it's on the border where you're at.
1: Yeah. I'm looking out right now across at Quebec. Right. right. My father-in-law lives on the river.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. You know, border towns, river towns, they're interesting. I always, uh, Especially in the older days, you know, I'm thinking when I'm in those kind of towns because rivers were the highways in the old days, you know. So when when I'm, I really get into that, and this goes back to Minuteman days, you know, you're in a town. It's not just there for your gig. There's a whole history. There's a whole story why that town's there, and I find it interesting. And and uh, one of the righteous things about the work I do is I get to go, and it's not a very long time. A lot of times it's just one day, but I can see, you know. Spend a little time and wonder about, wow, what went on here? What helped build this? Why is this here? Why is that there?
1: You'll have to come for a visit. The Ottawa Valley is one of these places that... uh...
0: Yeah, I would because I know every time I've been in Ottawa was just a brief, brief time. What I know about it is Government Town. It's the federal capital, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You get outside of that and you... uh...
0: Actually, that that tour that you saw me... uh, for a hyphenated man, um, my guitar man and Miss Peak, who was a, a photograph in that tour, both were very sick, and I had to take them to a clinic in Ottawa. And so, very grateful. Good health care. Yes. Yes. Which to me is a great, uh, whatever you call it, national defense policy is like taking oh. care of your people's health, you know? And uh, both Tom Watson and Miss Peak uh, got mended up. They had two different kinds of uh, one had a virus, one has a, had a bacterial infection with their throats and lungs. And uh, man, the health like I was telling you before, the on, on tour weather and health are very acute. They're very big in your life. How's it doing now? How's Tom now? Oh yeah, yeah. They healed up. They healed up by the end of that tour because Good. the the medical attention they got in Ottawa was excellent. Good. And it was econo. Besides that. But, uh, yeah, most grateful. So that that's why I remember the day I was there actually had some California weather. It was really nice. Wow. The sun was out, everything, you know. I always, when I came to uh, Pedro from Virginia, you know, I always uh, compare things to my town, like the weather and stuff. It's kind of spoiled here. Uh, so the plans beyond the single, doing a couple gigs is maybe working on an album. Maybe. Okay. Because you say it another way, you don't You think you're ready for an album.
1: I mean, I'd like to accomplish that, but, uh, you know, I'd have to just say, maybe it's going to be EPs and singles. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. A larger idea. I don't know. am going to uh, start making more music here in my hometown. Uh, because I think that's important. Because uh, sure. there's, you know, the economy here isn't so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot going on here. It could be, you know, it could really use some. I don't know how to, how to express that. Just uh, a vision developments. It's a great spot. People should come here, make albums, enjoy this place. It's really nice to do that
0: i think that's a great thing you're doing for your town then that's great because you know Just some people sort of... some people's ideas well you cut and you run to the big town because that's where people make it maybe things are different though with internet and stuff maybe you don't have to do that so much anymore
1: i met this lady once uh she lives i don't know where she lives now but she was from this place called fogo islands she was born and raised there and uh She left. There was nothing there for her. She comes to Ottawa and, uh, you know, starts a life, goes back to visit. And uh, an acquaintance from many years ago says, well, you know, how are you doing? And uh, she realized right away she had to come back and, uh, you know, do something there. She wound up doing something really amazing. Uh, My wife and I sort of saw this unfolding, and I realized that would be something important to do, be supportive in my own home community. I wasn't sure exactly how to do that, and then I realized, uh, you know, this is how I can maybe help in my own small way to support a local business and, of course get some musical enjoyment.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. uh, Grassroots.
1: I guess, yeah, if that's the word for it. It was uh, just one of those times where you thought, well, yeah, it's time to do something like this. It was a kick in the pants. So, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, I think people should come to Pembroke.
0: But, you know, this leads me to the last thing I want to ask you. If somebody was going to, ask you for some advice. What would you tell them in regards to music?
1: Oh, uh, in regards to pursuing it?
0: Or just anything. You know, anything I know the the standard questions about the racket, how to make it in this, you know,
1: well, it's a really different time now, but I'm I not asking
0: know. you that. I, I'm, I'm asking you what you've gotten out of music What would you uh, say to a young person who asked you for some advice?
1: Enjoy it. Listen to it all the time. Find things that you like in it. Learn how to play an instrument.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a great way to make a friend. Develop your skills. Go out. Enjoy it. Uh, If you think you can make money at it, well, good for you. Uh, Don't expect to make a whole lot, but just go in with a good attitude and, uh, you know... Make connections. It's a good way to be friends with people and uh, just really enjoy it.
0: That's some good, good thoughts. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much, Mike, for sharing and being I know, on the as well. Thank you. And I wish you big luck and good fortune with the Kings of Lower Town and can't wait to hear the new stuff. We'll play them with this spiel here when you uh, flow them on to me. Probably some
1: along very, very soon. Yeah. Thank probably so the
0: beginning much. of uh November, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again for uh making the Pedro Pembroke connection and let us share in <laughs> thoughts here, Mike.
1: Come and see us. Come and see us.
0: Okay, brother. Thank you. first chance I get. Thank you. Okay. Out. What, well, for Pedro's show, and there you have it. Uh, Mike McKee there in Pembroke, Ontario, Canada. Talking to Watt here in Pedro, California, U.S. Via the Skype, making that Pedro-Pembroke connection. Very interesting. I want to thank Mike again for coming aboard Watt from Pedro. show. We're at the end of the first hour of the November 9, 2013 edition. Hold tight for hour two. November 9, 2013 is the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. from pedro show started the second hour out with uh something live from the velvet underground the famous uh amp tape i think it was at the uh boston tea party 69 and they laid the amplifier um, on top of the amplifier was the tape recorder so, uh brother lou reed so it's kind of <laughs> yeah from that perspective. <laughs> interesting, and, uh, you know, we lost him last week, so, uh, still shook me up pretty big time, just to think about it, to hear that again, Lou Jammin. it was fair, a ferry boat bill, I think, uh, Sterling, the rhythm guitar man, ended up a tugboat man, or did it for a while, uh, After Velvet Underground, Ferryboat Bill, we had Kings of Lower Town. This is Mike McKee, who last hour I had the interview via Skype with him up north. Uh, Shotgun Preacher, something new. And then some friends of his, a demo uh, called Betty Brought Vodka. From flexion, no, <laughs> flecton. Big sky, sorry. And then blink of the star with we draw lines, and another brand new King's of Lower Town tune, woodpile. Again, I want to thank Mike much for taking the time to talk with me, and uh, yeah, relate some of his journey through music. Very interesting. I remember that Maverick gig up in Ottawa, uh, North American tour, first one of Hyphenated Man. And I mean, you can go read the diary, but I'm pretty sure I I had a fouled meatball sandwich from maybe Subway or something. I remember getting up on stage you know, I got a bad knee, so I had to really reach and hang on to a pole and that exertion <laughs> maybe you know, bring forth some bow content but you know it was time to do the gig so I wasn't gonna you know lollygag or belly ache and so got to it but Raul told me after there was an odor. <laughs> Mrs. Peake, she was on this tour, in fact, documented with photographs. Very sick. Her and Tom, I both brought to uh, doctor clinics here in, uh, I think it was Ottawa, because they they were dying of flu. And, uh, yeah, she played bass. You're not going to hear here, this is a guy named Johnny from DMF playing bass, but this is a band that Mrs. Peake was in for like one gig in Fresno, California. Soon to be mother of two, Mrs. Peak, traveling to Vietnam right now with her husband, Bill.
2: Well, you come by this morning just like you've done before. This time you caught my lover slipping out of my back door. I'm just a trifling woman. I drive for all the time. When I'm a driving baby, you know I got it on my mind. No, I love you, baby. I love you just the same. Yeah, I know the way I see you is a low down dirty stream, but I'm a driving woman. I travel all.
3: Circle like a dog on a chain. They put you back in the corner, so you won't dig beneath the gate. They try to limit your radius, and take away your control. They give you three drops of water, but you can't quite reach the bowl. You're running out of solutions, barking out for a truce. The worn-out circles of prison. The rusted chain is a bloody noose They finally break your spirit So you don't even try They leave you out there forever Till you just lay down and die
0: stretches before me. I wrap myself awkwardly. up the second hour with a uh, big hunk of music there started with Trifling Women by Ness and the Revenge as I was saying uh, Johnny from DMF I got to play with him last week on uh, Halloween up in uh, mid, they call Mid-City like Pico and I uh, don't oh know Hauser we're on there. he made the hell right for Marsh County. Anyway, uh... He told me he ended up playing in this band. They found out Miss Peak was in that band for like one gig. You can go to her website. Peakness. P-E-A-K-N-E-S-S dot com. For her, uh... <laughs> insights to her world. Incredible person. Um... After that, we had uh, DMF, which is Johnny's OC band. Stiff for a Stiff. It's a new batch of music for for me. Thank you, Johnny. Then we had um, Passion Killers, which have uh, Maeve Mills doing the shipbuilding, which is, I think, a, a cover. Big fan of Maeve Mills. He's back on the base too. Watch out. You people there in Leeds. Uh, Art Trip and the Static Sound after that with Hex. Torture Town with Noose. Yeah, Torture Town. So there's a connection with the Fairy Godmothers out of Charleston there. Palmetto Flag Land. Uh, the unawares with a- Asian Snake. After that, it was after <laughs> by the freaks. I think uh, Jonathan Hall, it's a new trio he's got going. Jonathan Hall from Backbiter. Yeah, somebody told me Bob Lee broke his foot. That benefit. Fell off the curb or something. Damn, heal up, Bob Lee. Love you much. The man who fell out of the sky by the Black Widows, that's got Adam Baum on base. In Mask, too, I think. Uh, Dining Car Chase, Dirty Beaches. There's some more Canada right there. Though I think uh, Alex is back in Berlin. Boy or Girl by free They're SF. Enough to Calm You Down by Allegheny Whitefish, Tobacco. Mr. Tom out of Pittsburgh. Finally, Melvillian. Detective Instinct. Ollie had me uh, read some Karen Schumer words on uh, this EP called Schumer Songs. Songs. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, November 9, 2013 edition of the Watt from Pedro show. Hold tight for our two. November 9, 2013, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Now, last week was Halloween, or whatever, Uh, nine, ten days ago. (laughs) Uh, Right before that, I played a Long Beach gig, and Luke from Moosterhead gave me a compilation he made, specially for Halloween. It's called California Creeps, and it's a bunch of buddies of his, you know, that him and his rooster headband, you know, joined together with, and gigs, and whatever, uh, musical fabric, and I didn't get a chance to play it on the show closest to Halloween. Uh, Damn, sorry but halloween ain't too far back that we can't play this there's a lot of interesting stuff this is all orange county southern california long beach i think uh the roosterhead themselves are out of long beach uh so so i find it really interesting i, I hadn't heard of any of these bands before and i'm just uh so grateful to Luke for turning me on to this that's going on. Of course, there's a Roosterhead tune there, too. But I'm going to play the whole California Creeps <laughs> presented by Roosterhead. It says, beware caution, tricks and treats. Oh, look, there's a little note in here. Ah, Halloween, that wonderful time of year when you can go to work dressed as a monster from space howl at the moon in public, and reluctantly show ID during your late-night toilet paper run. But here in Southern California, it can be hard to get into that Halloween spirit. Ominous owl and bat sounds get drowned out by the din of the freeways. Fallen palm branches are no substitute for mounds of multicolored leaves, and the neighborhood kids routinely pass your house by as they shuttle off towards an avalanche of candy from the nearest hilltop gated community who's going to give you a treat we are you deserve one and we're here to bring you a whole watching hour of original tunes from the twisted brains and decaying hearts of a dozen socal artists so sit back take off your mask enjoy a sonic sugar high from the land of endless sun and spookiness (laughs) so without further ado California creeps presented by roosterhead.
4: Got a great big hole in my heart to fill. Great digger, hold on. If you don't help me dig my grave, you bet your life that no one else will. No, no, no. You spend the days at the foot of my door, a walking sin. And when I peep through I am secure, a guilt ridden heroin. Under the guise of night, you come, you tremble and shake. And you wonder, you wonder, you wonder at the way that I quake. Great Digger, come on. I've got a great big hole in my heart to fill. Great Digger, hold on. Don't help me dig my grave you bet your life that no one else will I know no no, no. my grave, you bet your life that no one else will. I know, no, no. Grave digger, come on. I've got a great big hole in my heart to fill. Grave digger, hold on. If you don't help me dig my grave, you bet your life that no
5: With flashlights in the night Beneath the trees All
6: No.
0: Pedro Show. I want to thank, uh, once again, Luke Roosterhead for turning me on to this California Creeps compilation for Halloween 2013, even though it's nine, ten days later. We had a good gig that night. Me, Tom Raul, did miss Men gig, like I was telling you, in the Midtown part of Los Angeles. And all had the same mass. I found the same kind of mass, kind of a monk thing, but I was told it was actually maybe ripped off of his idea for some B-movie. So, whatever. Uh, The way the eyes were in the mouth, uh, I could breathe and play pretty good. And I just love dressing up for Halloween. (laughs) And hell if I was going to do it on the weekend before, you know, it was a Thursday night. We did it on Thursday night. It was the Olistas, the good people. First time I've been to their pad. Really nice folks. Anyway, back to uh, this comp that Luke gave me that we just heard for uh, final music of this edition. A lot from Pedro's show. started with uh, John Carrillo doing Grave Digger. Then we heard Curse of Franken... Curse of Franken-Chicken. Hmm, maybe like Frankenstein, huh? By the radioactive chicken heads. Uh, I should have looked at that. (laughs) Hell is for Lovers by Mae McDonoghue and Company. I think the state of Virginia had a slogan like, Virginia's for Lovers. Yeah, maybe on the license plates or something. Special kind of font, too, I remember. Years ago, maybe not anymore. Um, then Roosterhead, which is uh, Luke plays drums for, doing the Ghoul Parade. After that was the Grinning Ghosts with Searching for My Heart, uh, followed by Candy Check by Carl. Did you hear the question mark at the end there? Because that's how he spells his uh, band name, Carl. K A R L question mark, then mass uh, lengua from popsicle, trippy way of spelling popsicle. Uh, more tongue, I guess in Spanish. <laughs> I think. Uh, time and energy after that with bare thoughts. Sonar syntax by the vespertines <laughs> yeah. More. Uh, Heavy stuff here as <laughs> for celebrating Halloween. Um, Devil's Night by Nimbus Earth. Devil's Night, I think, is actually the night before in Detroit. Maybe. My memory. <laughs> remember, uh, who was telling me? Somebody saw a Minutemen gig last time we played Detroit. It was on Halloween. And I remember I wore an old Mason's outfit I found in a thrift store that tour. A new jersey. D Boone said I shouldn't have worn it. I don't think you should wear something like that. Which was trippy. D Boone wasn't He's pretty open minded, but maybe some things were freaky to him. It was it had ostrich feathers in the hat and it was trippy. I still got it, a little suitcase you carried around. Over a hundred years old, I think. Uh, program love with pre-programmed after that and finally Heidi the main score by Jacqueline Quintana. Uh thank you again Luke from uh, Roosterhead for flowing that a lot of uh, turned me on to a lot of stuff that's happening only miles from my Pedro town here I like hearing stuff from all over the world of course but it's also interesting to <laughs> find out what's happening right Near where you are. Uh, yeah, tomorrow we travel far, me and Tom Raoul, to do these two gigs in Brazil, Monday and Tuesday. Come back Wednesday. I got a second main gig tonight, yeah. Man, am I a space kitten or what? <laughs> space mouse? I can't be space. <laughs> Stuff like that. Pizzo Gerzo in Orange County, Anaheim. But there's one next week also in uh, maybe Eagle Rock, I think. I think I'm giving a talk, to Some kind of summit, music summit that um, Maggie Vale's putting on. The Hoot page, you can find out, mikewatt.com. Uh, kind of a trippy show. Really glad I got to talk with uh, Mike McKee. And though it wasn't in the moment... I didn't edit it or anything so just like we were. Thanks again, Mike. Uh and keep on with your music, brother. It's been the november ninth, twenty thirteen edition of the Watt from Pedro Show. See you next week. Everybody, keep your powder dry.